Happy Sunday and welcome to Brunch with Des B. I'm your host, Des, also known as Des B, here to provide you with your favorite way to start the week. Every Sunday, we explore new topics and dive into conversations that matter and some that truly do not. Tune in each week to smile, learn something new, and join your favorite brunch gang. Let's get into it. What's up, you guys? Welcome back to Brunch with Des B. Happy Sunday. I'm so excited to be here, as I say in every episode, but I always am. This is really the best part of my week and what I do. So first off, let's just address the, al- the, the alligator in the room. I'm just going to start saying that. I have me and Wyatt plastered all over me right now because it is freezing outside. I'm so fucking cold. It is October 31st. You guys know I record on Tuesdays. So it's technically Halloween. It's snowing in Michigan. Today, we saw the first snow of the season, which also I shouldn't even say of the season. It's fall, bitch. You know how we chatted a few weeks ago about how every company's, you know, pushing, pushing, pushing Black Friday up and up and up. Who said we could push winter, bitch? Not me. Wouldn't be me. Okay. I'm not a snow gal. I like the way it looks outside. It gives a little like, you know, pretty picturesque vibe. Not for me though. Okay. Not for me though. However, fuck Florida. I'll, I'll say that till my grave. Okay. I'm so excited because guess what we have today? Guess what we have. If you're not watching on YouTube and you're lame. What is this? Would that kind of, that kind of be sounding good. The woman in me, Britney Spears memoir. And we're talking fucking all about today. I did bookmark a few different pages. We're going to be chatting about it, revisiting it. I'm so excited to talk about this and I don't want to give away the full book because I'll be honest, after reading this, I do think Britney Spears deserves to make her couple of M&Ms. And if you listen to last week's episode, you know what I'm referencing and we'll talk about it a little bit more, but I'm so excited. This is going to be the bulk of today's episode, chatting about this, digesting it and honestly having like secondhand trauma. You know what I mean? So get excited, get excited. All right, let's go ahead first before we dive into today's episode. Let's take a quick sip. All right, I'm feeling a little parched. We just took Maddox to his first dentist appointment. Um, and it was just a reminder to stay hydrated and take care of your teeth. So let's have a sip. Hopefully you're not drinking full Coke. Mm. That's fucking good and cold. You know why? Because it's fucking cold outside, which also pisses me off because I actually want that. I actually want that room temperature because I would know that it's cold outside. But when it's cold outside and you have a stainless steel hydro jug, You know, it's extra cold when the water is extra fucking cold. You know what I'm saying? So first off, exciting stuff. This past weekend, I was actually in Orlando, Florida with Alani Nutrition for the Olympia, which I haven't been in forever. And obviously by this point, I technically haven't gone yet. I'm speaking knowing that this is coming out Sunday. So I'm, I'm a little bit anxious. I told you guys before, whenever I go to events like this, I'm hanging out with people that like I normally don't, or I'm meeting new people. I, you know, I, I get stressed. I'm an Aries. I want people to like me. I think we all do, but half of us just won't admit it. You know, I don't care who doesn't like me. Well, I do, you know, sorry. I do. (laughs) I do. So, um, have that this weekend. I'm pretty excited to have a few days away from the kids, few days away from just the house in general. I'm in Florida. I'm escaping the, the 
fucking snow. Like, I can't believe I'm saying that. So I'm excited. It'll be fun. Have a few business meetings while I'm there though. So like, I'm not really like R and Ring. I'm, I'm really just working without kids. That's kind of how the weekend is going. And then next weekend, I'm actually in Palm Springs, California with hydro drugs. So I might just like keep this on a roll of like, just see ya winner. Who's winner. I don't know. I'm gone. You know what I mean? We'll see. So I'm really excited. There are exciting things coming for hydro drug this black Friday, which a lot of black Friday sales are heating up. So like, I'm just going to say it here before I give you details of like anything in the future. When in doubt, does B at checkout. Let me say it one more time. When in doubt, does B at checkout. And I say that because if you're trying to save a little bit more, you need to be using my code. Okay. And with that being said, typically I'm making a couple bucks kickback and I want to make it very clear. I'm not sitting here ranking in dollars off of using my code. Okay. I mean, 10% commission. So if you're spending $20, I make two, right? Like, okay. So it can add up. You spend $40. I make $4, but it's not something groundbreaking. So I just want to make that very clear <laughs> that um, by supporting me, it means the world because it's the small things that add up and I appreciate it. So um, first, I want to get into a few pieces of news that I saw this week. Number one, as we should all you know be aware of, Taylor Swift landed back in Kansas City after Travis Kelsey's big loss to the Broncos. So this was the only game that Taylor had not been in, like been at. They lost. I think it's fair to say we have a good luck charm, all right? However, the real news that I'm trying to tell you about is that Selena Gomez, there was an insider supposedly that said Selena spoke about Taylor and Travis saying that she thinks her friend is moving a little bit too fast, etc. First off, Selena, you sound like a fucking hater. Number two, I don't know if I believe it. It's like an insider, right? But I thought that was a really interesting article to come out because it made my brain start swirling about how these real life friendships, right? Because at the end of the day, like we know celebrities are still humans, right? I think we know that as, as much as their reality is way different than ours, we can all agree they still have feelings, friendships, relationships, emotions, right? So imagine seeing your friendship be put on tabloids and then have to like maybe even text that person, hey, Hey, Selena, <laughs> kept my eye out for you, but uh, looks like you're talking a little bit of shit. Is this true? Like, are we having those conversations, right? Like, it feels so odd to just have a friendship on full display. Nonetheless, be in these intimate settings, be at these uh, private events with celebrities, and then seeing them, someone in this event, right, take maybe secret photos or record something or then go behind your back and tell the press something to get paid. Like it's crazy to me. So we've seen um, like a couple, I think it was the first time Taylor went to Travis's game. Someone had been given this photo to like TMZ, page six, et cetera. They were inside the bar, like inside this private shutdown dinner place that they were all at, AKA only like important people are probably in this, right? Someone took a photo and then sold it to page six, TMZ, whoever, right? And it's like, I can't believe like as a celebrity, as someone of that much status, you can't trust anyone. So it made me question like her and Selena. I'm like, do you like text after that? Do you like give them a call? Like, Hey, heard this, you know, is this true? Like, or like, when do you just stop trusting everyone altogether? Like, I think that's probably why we see a lot of people not have friends or at least like not always have friends or be around them because it's like, 
I don't know. Everyone's out for blood. That's how it feels. So anyways, that was story number one that just, it got my brain swirling to be like, as much as we're going to talk up being a celebrity and stuff, that would like really suck to just constantly have to maybe defend your friendship, even in private. Um, but then to like bring up your friendship and then maybe have to ask those awkward questions. I don't know. Okay. This story I got a kick out of, um, and I'm going to read a little bit of it to you. Charlie and Dixie D'Amelio, which again, we just talked about last week. So that's why I brought it up. Face backlash for quote, working quote at Walmart in viral clip. Influencers turned reality stars, Charlie and Dixie are under fire for cosplaying as minimum wage workers in Walmart. The sisters dressed up, which by the way, have you never seen the simple life with Nicole Richie and Paris Hilton? They trolled that shit for like five seasons or whatever. Like, come on. Okay. Number two, the sisters dressed up in cashier uniforms at the supermarket giant for a comedic TikTok video promoting their new popcorn brand. In the clip, the duo smiled and laughed while pretending to ring up bags of their Be Happy Snacks popcorn at the register. However, the joke didn't land well with many other fans. I wish I had enough money to cosplay as a retail worker. So fun being in the working class, one TikTok user commented in the recent clip. Another wrote that they were seeing this after working 12-hour shifts four days a week to barely afford to live. Meanwhile, a third person chimed in. I feel like this makes a mockery of working class jobs, but okay. Another quipped, why do rich people always try so hard to be relatable? Let's take this in a positive way. She is trying to connect with her audience or she wants a different experience, wants to experience different aspects of her life. One fan wrote in. So anyways, that's like, I mean, that's like quite literally the story. Like the family has a new brand called Be Happy Snacks. It's either their brand or a collab, sorry. But regardless, I saw this posted, Heidi posted about it. So they went into Walmart and made a promo video right? Since when is making a promo video mockery? Like I, 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 under, I understand, like, I, again, I, I really do always try to see both sides. I get the idea that they were like ringing out their, ringing up their snacks, etc. But like, if anyone were to do that and maybe they, maybe they don't work at Walmart, maybe they're a dental hygienist. They're just a regular dental hygienist. And they're making more than someone that works at Walmart, but they go to Walmart and they make a funny TikTok dressed up as Walmart workers and whatever. Is that still tone deaf? Right? Like just, I don't think it's tone. Like they were just trying to be cute. They're fucking 20, 21 year old girls. Like, I don't know. I just, I didn't like it because I understood, like I get what people were trying to do and why they were trying to make it an issue. But like, here's the thing you choose your perspective of something and you choose to make it an issue or not. If I'm seeing that, I'm going, wow, that's a great promo video. You know, I'm going to go buy some. If your perspective is bitter and you choose to watch that in a bitter mood and perspective, I would argue that like, yeah, you're going to have a different outlook than it. But I think most people would maybe see that and be like, oh, that like, that's so cool. Good for them. Like I wouldn't think twice about them trying to be like assholes and mock a fucking Walmart worker. Like, Hey, we're like, we're all hustling in different parts of our life. We all have different journeys. I think we can, we know that. I'm just going to leave that there. That, that kind of pissed me off. Cause I was just like, don't come for fucking 20 year olds. Like, it's so weird that people feel the need to do that. And, and you know, like where they are right now, they still worked hard to get there. You know, like as much as we want to mock TikTokers dancing on the internet, bleh, I think they're still doing a great fucking job. And you know what? They'll, they'll cry 
to bed at night for one moment, maybe being sad over your comment. And then they're going to go sign a multi-million dollar deal with Hulu. They don't give a fuck what you think about their little TikTok promotion. That's all I'm going to say. Um, and I would only hope you guys see and agree. Like, it's like, it's up to you to perceive it that way. Don't come canceling 20 year old girls <laughs> for their own popcorn collab. Like, I don't, it's so fucking weird. Okay. Next up, sad news. Sorry. We're like totally flipping the switch here. Matthew Perry, friends, you know, we know the famous actor passed away last weekend and, uh, so sad. It was very sudden. Um, and it's so grim to me when you see, um, like photos of that person, just like a day before, like, it's so creepy to me that we all document our lives so much that at the end of the day, this sounds again, very dark, but like we document our life up until we take our last breath, right? Like it's weird that someone can post an Instagram story, go pass away 10 minutes later, a freak accident. And like that Instagram story is still up, right? Like we live play by play. So when we see these photos of Matthew Perry, like three days before he passed away, he was seen out. He had uh, lunch with a friend, boom, last photos of him. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's just days before, like he didn't even know his last day was coming. Right. And I think that's what gets me so like freaked out about like death and, and whatnot. It's like, you never know. And you just have to live so positively. So are you going to live positively by ripping apart a 20 year old over a TikTok? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But, but seriously, so Matthew Perry passed away. Very sad. Um, it was ruled at the time a drowning which I thought was very weird. His last Instagram post, he was actually in like maybe a, a like a hot tub or a pool. He was in water kind of like perched on along the side. And that was like his last photo. And so toxicology reports haven't been given back yet. I do know TMZ, page six, all those fuckers will be the first ones to obtain them. So I will be curious. But there were prescription drugs found in his home. And we do know he struggled very hard with alcoholism, addiction, pill addiction, et cetera. He had been through the ringer. Um, I think in his memoir, he wrote a few years ago, he was supposed to be like fucking dead. He had, a, was it maybe like a 60 minutes or there was a special on him a couple years back where he talked about sobriety and how his castmates really saved him and stuff. And it was a really great um, documentary. I wish I remember what it was. It was, again, it was just like a, maybe an hour special or something, but he talked about how he should have been dead, you know? Um, and so to see that happen to him, it's just, it's so devastating and it's so sad. The The Friends cast kind of like released a joint statement together. We are all so utterly de- devastated by the loss of Matthew. We were more than just castmates. We were, we are a family. Jennifer Anderson, Ander- Jesus, Jennifer Aniston, Lisa Kudrow, David Schwimmer, Courtney Cox, and Matt LeBlanc said in a statement to People on Monday, they continued, in time we will say more as when we are able. For now, our thoughts and love are with Matt's family, his friends, and everyone who loved him around the world. Perry played Chandler in the hit sitcom that ran for 10 years before answering in 2004. An insider exclusively told Page Six Sunday that his castmates are shaken by the news. The cast is reeling from the loss of their brother because that's what Maddie was, their brother. It's just devastating. So it's very sad. Um, yeah, I mean, he was he was found dead in a jacuzzi Saturday at his Los Angeles home. He was 54 years old. And again, I'm going to just pull it up. Let me look it up. Matthew. Oh, I hate that I'm looking up his past like post. So October 23rd. Oh, so warm water swirling around makes you feel good, question mark. 
I'm Matt Man. Okay, that was kind of like a weird post. But regardless, like he has his AirPod Pros on. He's in the corner of a hot tub. The moon's in the background. Did someone take this photo? Did he set his photo up? I mean, I don't know what y'all be doing anymore. But 297,000 comments. That's insane. Um, So it's very sad regardless. Um, I'm going to be honest. I never got into Friends. Like I knew the show, like we've all watched an episode or so in our life, right? Like, like it's not that I don't know what the show is, but I never like watched it from front to back and back to front and like, oh my God, I'm so obsessed. Not me, not friends, not the office. There's, I feel like there's another one I didn't watch that everyone like raves about. Anyways, didn't watch it. So, but like I, we all know it's iconic. So that's very sad. Um, Peace and love, you know? So a few different things to chat about Uh, real quick. We have some launches coming up. Uh, launches kind of coming up. We have Buff Bunny that's coming out. And I even like double check this November 10th, which is so weird because it's launching on a Friday. Ever since Buff Bunny's been around, it has been Saturday launches at 2 p.m. EST. So I'm I'm like stressed that you guys are gonna like fucking miss it for real. I'm like, how are we just gonna switch up a fucking launch like that? Like that's, that's like Buff Bunny history. Like who the hell said we could put it on a Friday? What the fuck? So I don't know if it's in preparation for Black Friday to where they're like doing it a little bit earlier. They're doing it on Friday. I don't fucking know. But regardless, like I'm kind of stressed out. I don't know. I just, I don't like it. So anyway, it's called the Space Launch. Uh, Buff Bunny redeemed it a little bit here for me. A lot of good colors coming back. We have Tea Leaf coming back in like activewear now. We have Lotus coming back, which is one of my favorite like purple colors. Um, We have, uh, sorry, Terracotta terracotta coming back which we only saw in the swim collection last year and uh which by the way I missed the swim collection this year anyways so we're we have like a lot of really great colors we have some more um leggings some like curved leggings rosa pocket leggings we have really the I feel like the the thing I'm most excited about is there's a really cute puffer vest and then like a puffer jacket and I actually got the jacket let me tell you guys like it's fucking nice like it's nice and I I'm not gonna lie, dude. They they do pretty good job at like their like fashion wear. I feel like Heidi has a pretty good sense for that. The jacket's fucking nice. Like I'm not even not even gonna fucking lie about that. So I'll be wearing that all the time. I got the beige color. It's adorable. So anyways, Friday, November 10th. Odd. So weird to say. Code does be 10% off. There will be a huge Black Friday sale that you will also be able to use my code for an additional 10% off. So again, just please don't forget to use my codes at these checkouts. Black Friday, I would say, is probably the biggest like support that I get out of the year because there's just a lot of people who maybe normally don't order throughout the year or aren't like returning customers or it's their first time trying a company I work with and you know I've promoted and you guys know like these are companies I've rode for for years like these are just random pickups that I'm like hey guys use my code so I can make money it's not like that at all so just but please like don't forget because it really does again it adds up and all these items being discounted like it's just different sales like whatever. But Black Friday is a huge, huge kind of like, it's almost like game day for me because it's also not about the commission being used. It's about performance because I need to perform well. Like it's game day. I got to perform well so that they keep me on the roster for the next fucking season. I am scared to death to ever get booted off of a company that I work with and have worked with for years by not performing well. So when you guys put in my code, when you guys use my links, that allows me to stay like on the fucking team. And as a previous athlete who's gotten kicked off a fucking team, it's terrifying to think about getting kicked off a fucking team. Okay. Got to perform well. 
So please tell your family, tell your boyfriend, tell your uh, husband, tell your household friends, tell whatever. Use my code, please. It allows me to stay on the team and I'm fucking terrified to get kicked off of any roster. Okay. Last week we had Paragon launch. We also had Petula launch. The Petula launch into the woods was probably like one of my favorite launches that they've done in a while. Like I just, dude, I can't stop wearing my hoodie. Like you guys are lucky I changed because like seriously, I've worn it every fucking day. So that was new. And then also from now until November 15th, you can use code DESBEONTULA for 25% off. This includes all of the like holiday kits and shit. You get an additional 25% off. You also get free shipping. Slay, slay your skin. I'm so excited. Um, So I'm pumped up about that. And again, Tula's gonna have a Black Friday sale. Alani's gonna have a Black Friday sale. Story will have a Black Friday sale. Petula, Buff Bunny, Paragon. We have a lot coming up too. And I'm very pumped, especially for Paragon. You guys need to save your money. And like, that's like all I can say. That's all I can say. (laughs) All right, watches for the week. Let's get into this one. Golden Bachelor. Golden Bachelor wrecked me a little bit this week. Because Ellen went home. And I really thought Ellen was the one. I'm so sad. Well, first, my first thought was Peggy. I think her name was Peggy. I thought Peggy was going to go all the way. She was gone like the third episode. So I was like, fuck, I really fucked up off of just like looks alone, like thinking of what he would be attracted to, what would fit well. I went just pure off looks. Okay, yes, I was judging. I don't care. But Ellen came in here just like a banshee and like swept up his heart. So my thought was they're painting a lot of picture with this girl named Faith. She won the first impression, Rose. She's a cutie. Um, I think they do compliment each other well, but she's a little bit reserved. So I just feel like it'd be like quiet. I feel like he needs someone a little bit outgoing. Um, I act like I know him, but you know, whatever. So anyways, I was like, okay, they're, they're really hyping up Faith. I think they're doing this to per, like as a production crew, they're hyping up Faith. We're like, oh yeah, she's a shoe in like no fucking doubt. And then I thought Ellen was going to end up being the one he, you know, breaks her heart, whatever. Or he breaks Faith's heart, goes with Ellen. No, he decides to keep Teresa. He keeps Teresa over fucking Ellen. Are you kidding me? Like literally I'm, I'm so sorry. Like I hate that I'm talking about grown women because I'm sure they're like not on the internet and some of them are getting just like torn apart. And it's like actually sad to me. I'm like, dude, they're like in their sixties. Like they don't give a fuck. And also like, let's not give them a heart attack. But regardless, like Teresa, like I'm sure she's a fantastic woman in real life. Like, let me just make that very clear. But she is a little weird to me. She's a little bit odd. And I think, I just don't know. I just, I think it's off for me. Okay. And uh, so I was like, Ellen, well, no, he picks Ellen over or he gives Teresa the rose, the fucking last rose. Oh my God, my heart broke. But so it's like, it's Leslie, Sandra. Was that who stayed? No, I think Sandra went home. Sandra went home too. Sorry. So it's Leslie, Teresa, Faith. Who the fuck is the fourth one? I'm blanking. Huh. I'm blanking right now, but regardless hometowns this week. And then we do the fantasy suite. I'm like, Oh my God. I don't know. I'm just, I'm feeling cringe the rest of the season, but I'm prepared. Second thing I watched. Okay. This really bothered me. I, well, it didn't, but okay. Let me just talk about it. No hard feelings. This was a movie with Jennifer Lawrence and then like some random kid. Literally. I don't know who he is, but regardless, no hard feelings. And I actually follow the producer on Instagram. I don't know how, 
I don't know how I got to following the producer on Instagram, but like I do. So she introduced this movie and was like, oh my gosh, the word is out. Here's the movie. Um, And then it was only on some streaming service for a minute or maybe out to rent or something. And then it finally came to Netflix. So I was like, oh, cool. I finally get to watch it, whatever. So I watch it. And first off, there was a scene that was full frontal nudity, which I just wasn't fucking prepped for. Like I was not prepared to see Jennifer Lawrence fully fucking nude in front of me on a beach beating up another guy. Hilarious scene. Funny. Lives rent-free in my head. It's fucking hilarious. But full, full frontal. Full pussy boobs. You know? And, like, you couldn't, like, see it too much. But still, like, I mean, full ass nude. Like, you see that shit in porn. You know? Not on my fucking Netflix screen about a show with a 32-year-old and a 19-year-old. It was nuts. So he was like, well, whoa, that's nuts. Second thing, I just don't think like Jennifer Aniston is, or Jennifer Aniston, LOL. We're talking about so many Jennifers. Jennifer Lawrence is very funny, but like I almost didn't like her the most in this movie. Like I think she still played the part well. Like it was her role for sure, but maybe like she just looked different to me. I don't know. There was something a little off And you guys would have to watch it and give me feedback. Like, am I just like looking into it too much? Was I, did I rip my pin a little bit too hard? Like what's going on? It was just hard for me. And then we have this weird plot, which I don't want to like ruin it for any of you, but the just name of the game here, you have a 32 year old woman trying to fuck a 19 year old guy. It was just a weird, weird age gap for me. Like, 32, you're, you're like mature, you're, you're doing life and like, it's a 19 year old who's like going to college. Like, I don't know it. Listen, I know it happens. And again, roles reversed. The male is, is 32. The, the girl is 19. We'd never be making a movie about it. Like regardless, it's uncomfortable is what I'm saying. I don't care if it's male, females, older or males, older, females, younger, like it's just a, it was an odd age gap. Like I wish Jennifer Lawrence was like playing maybe like, maybe she was like 27 or like 28 and like the guy was 19. Like, I don't know. It's just the 32 year old part in like how she, at one point she like was obsessed with them. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I don't want to ruin it, but like it kind of just threw me for a loop. So I, I need you guys to watch it this week. And then I need you to DM me or comment below what your thoughts are because I liked the end of the movie. I liked the premise of the movie. Like it was a cool, like, okay, they become, I don't want to ruin it. Okay. Here, fast forward. If you don't want to, if you don't want to hear about it. Okay. So I like how at the end they ended up becoming friends, but then it was weird because it was like, they like tried to actually have sex. And then like, she's 32. And like, she was like trying to like, like bang him the whole time and was trying to make him bang her. Like it was just such a weird it was a weird concept for me. I just, I'm not over it. I can't say I would rewatch the movie. I'm glad I did. I had a few good laughs. Don't get me wrong. The rest of it was kind of weird. And also the guy, like, re, like with all due respect, and I know it wasn't his character to play, but like he looked also very young and he was kind of a nerd. So it was just like kind of cringe to me. Like it was just like, oh, like I don't like this coupling. He's not like handsome, like, And I'm not expecting him to look like Troy Bolton in High School Musical, but like he was just like really nerdy. 
his role was awkward. Like even to play that role as a, as a actor, I feel like would be so strange. Cause he had to like pretend like he didn't know like what sex was or like, I don't know. It was just, it was so odd. So anyways, I'm off that last one I wanted to talk about was Cody Ko, my man. Okay. He just uploaded a video last week and it was the, one of his button like reaction videos, but it was like with teenagers. So it was like Gen Z. I felt so old watching that video because I was like, what the fuck are these kids saying? Like, what is going on? What are they saying? Like, I know even myself is like a millennial. I would say I'm probably millennial slash Gen Z, right? Like technically age cusp. I'm probably still technically Gen Z too, but I'm like on the cusp of being millennial. Does that make sense? So I kind of embody some slang, right? I I say slay, you know, I'm like dead ass. Like, you know, like certain things, like we might look at ourselves cringe, but like, you know, we're kind of like on that cusp. Like it's funny, you know, whatever. No, we are not Gen Z. Like I am not Gen Z. I'm not identifying anywhere near Gen Z. So fucking weird. You have 15 year olds on this show, like being weird And one of the girls, this like blew my mind and I didn't like look at any comments or anything. I could like give a fuck less. I was just taking it for what, what it is. One of the girls was on a date, like on the button with, with another girl. And so she asked the girl, how many girls have you dated? And the girl goes, technically I haven't dated any. I've just like talked to some, whatever. The girl, okay, you know, whatever. Button goes, slams it down next. So then they asked the girl who asked that question. So why did you next her? And she goes, well, she hasn't technically like dated any girls. She just talked to them. I was like, you're 15. What the fuck do you think your dating is compared to what she's maybe considered talking? Like it was just so weird to also be like, yeah, she hasn't technically like dated a girl. So like, I'm not going to believe her sexuality. Like I'm not going to trust her. Like it was so weird. So weird. You guys have to go watch it. It's like a 20 minute watch, but like watching it literally, I felt like brain cells left my fucking body. Like I was like, I am not high enough for this. This is fucking weird. You have to watch it. So Cody Co's channel, I think he might've, he might've posted it under Cody and co, which is his second channel. But regardless, look it up. You have to look it up. It's, it's the easiest watch today. Watch it after this. Don't X out of my video. Watch it after this. And that is that. So yeah, wellness corner, not much for the wellness corner. Um, someone did actually talk to me. I, I put in my story today on Instagram. I was like, Hey, what do you guys start your morning with? And then I shared my Alani greens, which I did reintroduce my peach iced tea greens. I'm only taking that about one time a week. And then the other two to three times I take my greens, I do my regular greens. Um, and so anyways, I said, I only take my greens about, maybe I said two to three times a week or three to four times a week because I can tell it's better than my skin. Of course, I had so many reply back. Taking greens is bad for your skin. No, <laughs> not, not everyone. Maybe not you, maybe not, you know, whatever. But for me, I can just tell a difference knowing that I just had a reaction before. And I told you guys, I had so many different things. I was doing the new greens. I had that weird probiotic from Amazon. I was doing a lot of energy drinks. So I had a lot of factors going into like where, what that skin issue was for me a couple months ago. But like, I know I said this last week, but like, guys, I can't like explain to you how freaking good my skin looks and feels like it's insane how doing less is doing more for me. Like I still love, like I said, I've loved my Tula routine. I'm using some drunk elephant retinol right now. 
I love my loon, my Foreo, my Foreo. I think I have the three or the four that my Foreo, um, cleanser, cleanser, like brush And It's just like, I'm just doing so well. I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Okay. All right. So let's go ahead, take a quick note from our partner and then move into the rest of this episode and talk all about <laughs> it's Brittany bitch. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. I talk about BetterHelp a lot, seeing as that it's benefited me in the past two years. Some people think, you know, maybe, oh, things have to get really bad until you can go to therapy. You're like, I'm not depressed. Why do I need therapy? But really therapy is a tool to where you're using it before things were to get worse and to avoid being at your lowest low. I don't know about you, but why the fuck would you want to get to your lowest low before you climb out to the, to that top again, right? BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video and even live chat sessions with your therapist. You don't have to see anyone on your camera. You don't have to wear pants. You don't even have to put on pajamas. You could be naked wherever you're at and do a therapy session with your therapist. So for me personally, I like to put my AirPods in. I'll walk around my desk room. I'll go for a walk outside when it's nice out, whatever it may be. And that's what works for me. It is customizable and it is more affordable than most in-person therapy. Give it a try. See why over two million, million, trillion people have used BetterHelp Online Therapy. And girls, don't forget to get on betterhelp.com slash desby and put in that discount code. If you forget that, you do not get that 10% off your first month. And that is the deal with being a listener of Brunch with Desby. Okay, so first off, before we get into this, I wanted to show you guys my Instagram story and my Instagram post today because I did one of just like Halloween and how it's like, what what is spookier than Halloween? And it was like someone or an adult thinking they have to earn their candy. Like it was just a cute little play on like Halloween and like, you know, hey, like slay, you know, whatever. So I wanted to share with you guys this audio because I feel like my Swifties out here like, respect to this fucking audio. I have not stopped listening to it. Like I've watched my own reel like 900 times because this audio is fucking fire. Listen to this if you missed it. If you missed it, also like get over it. Listen to it again. Oh my God. I'm going to get copyrighted. I'm going to get copyrighted. Hold on. Just listen to what. Red underline. I'm it took one to check it. Don't copyright. Uh, 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 uh. Okay. Sorry. I like do not want to get copyrighted because I don't make shit off this podcast and I do it for free. And like, I'll be damned if YouTube takes my like $5 I make for your guys's views. Okay. That's that. Let's get into an article first to really kick off this Britney story because her memoir is everywhere right now. Britney Spears recalls running into ex Justin Timberlake before disastrous 2007 VMAs performance. Britney Spears vividly remembers being a bundle of nerves when she ran into her ex-boyfriend, Justin Timberlake, backstage at the 2007 MTV Awards. It had been a while since I'd seen him, the Princess of Pop writes in her new memoir, The Woman and Me, which hit stores Tuesday. 
Everything was going great in the world. He was at the top of his game in every way, and he had a lot of swagger. I was having a panic attack. I hadn't rehearsed enough. I hated the way I looked, and I knew it was going to be bad. Spears had been set to perform her song, Gimme More, at the awards show following a series of headline-making personal struggles, including her divorce from Kevin Federline, an infamous head-shaving incident. However, the Grammy winner remembers not wanting to take the stage because nothing was going right behind the scenes. There was a problem with my costume and with my hair extensions. I hadn't slept the night before. I was dizzy. It was less than a year since I had my second baby in two years, but everyone was acting like not having six packs was offensive. I couldn't believe I was going to have to go out on stage feeling the way I felt. Spears ultimately went through with the performance only for critics to pan her appearance, lackluster choreography, and lip singing. I went out there and did my best that I could in the moment of time. And yes, granted, was far from my best at other times. I could see myself on video throughout the auditorium while I performed. It was like looking at myself in a fun house mirror. So obviously, um, Timberlake at the time too had, or I'm sorry, yeah, Timberlake, like Justin, sorry, I thought I said Timberland. Timberlake uh, also was having like the time of his life at that music award. So he took home that night, like male artist of the year. He had a great performance. He performed with Timberland and Nelly Furtado. And then Spears then goes on to recount, Justin glided down the runway. He was flirting with other girls in the audience, including the one who turned around and arched her back, shaking her breasts as he sang to her. So here Brittany is, again, she just, she had another baby, her second baby in two years, She's holding on some extra weight. Like it's, you know, she's fine, but they put her in this costume that is so unflattering to her body. They make her go on stage. They make her perform mentally. She's not there. And it's hard to get into that spot. You have your ex-boyfriend watching who again, by with the book was a very traumatic ending for her. And then you, you just have to go on and perform in front of him and then be okay while he then takes one of the biggest awards of the night. Like it's so awkward. I felt so bad for her. And especially because I think of other like celebrity feuds. So like Olivia Rodrigo performed at the VMAs a couple, what was it like a month ago now, right? I think she crushed it. But regardless, we know that there's like this underlying feud of her and Taylor Swift right now. I don't know what happened. I don't know when it happened, but I know something happened. I think we can all agree. So here Olivia Rodrigo is even having to perform in front of one of the biggest pop stars while Taylor just sits there and watches her performance. I don't know what the reaction of Taylor was during that time. She might've been singing. She might've been, you know, just showing some support. I'm not sure. But regardless, like performing in front of people that you know hate you or you have beef with has to be the most awkward fucking thing in the world. So then to picture Britney Spears, who is now married, right? She had gotten married. She had had children. She's now going through a public divorce, shaved her head, postpartum and has to perform on fucking stage in front of her ex-boyfriend who she loved, regardless of how long ago it was. Kill me. Put me in jail. Okay, so Britney Spears, the woman in me. First off, let me just say, this book was so much fucking better than I thought. It immediately made me feel like a bitch because I feel like, I never downplayed what Brittany has gone through. Like I've always made it very clear. Hey, like I get it. I I try to always see two sides of the coin, but after hearing more of her actual like upbringing and how her family treated her, including her bitch ass sister, Jamie Lynn, I cannot, I literally cannot. This was such an easy and digestible read. I'm not sure. I mean, for sure, Britney Spears still had a ghostwriter. Like she, let me tell you, she didn't fucking write this book. Okay. I want to make it very clear. Like celebrities don't write their own books. However, from the, from the sounds of it, from the way it's written, which again, it's a ghost writer's fucking goal to make it sound like you. So like, I'm, I'm trying to be, I don't want to be ignorant 
and I don't want to be naive. Okay. But I feel like she had a good say in this. Let me just say that. Okay. I feel like there were a lot of great details that only she would be able to recount from, from what it seems, the people that she has mentioned thus far in the memoir, the experiences she had, she mentions, um, having experiences with Madonna, Mariah Carey, Christina Aguilera. She mentions, mentions a few other artists as well. And none of them have come back and been like, yeah, no, that didn't happen. Yeah, no, that didn't happen. You know what I mean? So like, I feel like right now we have a pretty good track record of this being a pretty clean, sweet book. So I bookmarked a few pages. Um, I didn't bookmark as much in the beginning because I was just like sucked into reading this, but we kind of go through in the beginning, Brittany's just like her upbringing, you know, where she started, she had grandparents that lived, um, overseas. So she loved having a British accent. Like it was just cute things that kind of tie into making her like quirky and who she was. Uh, she mentions her father, um, having no success while she was a child. They then come into money because he ends up owning some really good businesses, including a fitness business, which I thought was really funny. I was like, Slay, you could be a great online coach nowadays, but now fuck you. Your dad sucks. You know what I mean? But regardless, it just talks about her auditioning for Mickey Mouse Club and not making it when she was eight. She went back and she made it when she was 12. Going to New York, she starts to make these trips, but her father starts drinking again. He loses the businesses that they like had. So here they are. They're like very poor again. And and she just talks about always loving singing and always loving to perform and always having this passion within her. So um, a few different pages that I, I tagged. Here's one. My mom was trying to recover from her divorce from my dad, which she'd finally gone through with. Depressed and self-medicating, she could barely get up off the couch. My dad was nowhere to be found. And my little sister, well, when I tell you she was a total bitch, I'm not exaggerating. So by the way, Britney Spears' mom and dad end up getting a divorce to then end up like a few years later getting back together. So you just have these people who are like trauma bonded. And it was, it was, it was a very sad, like Mark there. So, um, I just want to walk through these pages and just kind of like expand on the few that I had. So here we go. We're talking about her breakup with Justin Timberlake. So when Justin Timberlake broke up with her, he actually broke up with her over text message. So they owned a home together in Florida and everything. They would come there. They would be able to spend two weeks to maybe sometimes even two months at a time together. So this was a very like invested relationship. I didn't realize that they were like, they owned a home together. They were like, I mean, it was like the real deal. You know, they were young and they were being, they were very successful at the time. Both of them equally were, were really like hitting some, some crazy peaks. So Soon after my return, Justin was preparing to release his solo album, Justified. On 2020, he played an unreleased song for Barbara Walters called Don't Go, Horrible Woman. That seemed to be about me. I thought our love was so strong. I guess I was dead wrong. But to look at it positively, hey girl, at least you gave me a song about another horrible woman. Less than a month later, he released the video for his song, Cry Me a River, in which a woman looked like me cheats on him and wanders around sad in the rain. In the news media, I was described as a harlot who broke the heart of America's golden boys. The truth, I was comatose in Louisiana and he was happily running around Hollywood. May I just say that on his explosive album and in all the press that surrounded it, Justin neglected to mention the several times he cheated on me. There's always been more leeway in Hollywood for men than for women. And I see how men are encouraged to talk trash about women in order to become famous and powerful, but I was shattered. So everyone then talked about the idea of, um, cry me a river. She also actually mentioned Eminem song, Kim. So saying that Eminem's violent revenge song, Kim was huge. 
So the only problem was that the narrative with that wasn't their case. It wasn't like that. But so Crimea River did so well because it's almost like we get this rise out of seeing other men like talk shit about these like bad relationships. So Britney Spears did cheat on Justin Timberlake with her choreographer Wade, um, but he also cheated on her. And there was actually a part in the book where she mentioned he cheated on her with someone and that someone she wasn't even going to name because currently in life, they are married right now and like have a family and she didn't want to disrespect them, which I thought was huge of her. She could have easily fucking name dropped and been like, fuck off, you know, whatever. Um, so here we go. Now in this part of the book, we're talking about being treated with such disregard and disgust. And even everything she did with her children was chronicled. So one day, I don't know if you guys remember this. I actually remember this photo vividly. She was trying to escape the paparazzi and she had her, her son, Sean, on her lap. Um, and then the, that picture was then taken saying how unfit of a parent she was. Um, when again, she's just trying to get out of the way. She was then pregnant with Jade and James and she was carrying Sean. She was swarmed a photographer. So she had these babies back to back. They're very close in age. Um, she was told to then get in the other ca- side of the car. She was like, oh, so she made her way through. Everyone's, you know, Brittany, Brittany, if you watch the video and don't just look at the still photos, you can see while I was carrying a cup of water in one hand, my baby in the other, my heel turned and I almost went down, but I didn't fall. And catching myself, I didn't drop either the water or the baby who, by the way, was completely unfazed. This is why I need a gun, I said to the camera, which probably didn't go over that well. Um, so then people use these photos and run with the headline. Britney Spears got huge. Look, she's not wearing any makeup. And she said, at what point did I promise to say 17? Stay 17 for the rest of my life, which I thought was another really powerful thing that she mentioned. Um, because when a lot of people think of Britney Spears, we do think of her as baby one more time. Toxic. You know, like that, like that is all we think of. Like we don't think of, we think of her as a young person. Um, and, and so yeah, her aging, it's like, what am I not allowed to gain weight? Am I not, you know, I can't imagine having all of those eyes on me. So there was another part. I really loved this. She talked about shaving her head, um, and why she did it and how she felt. So she was really struggling with postpartum experiences. Um, she mentioned it was very hard with her, she, like hard for her. She was kind of like grieving and mourning and didn't know how to navigate it. The one thing about her is that she always had her hair and this was a way to kind of like sexualize herself, not on purpose, but it's just what people liked. Right. And she knew that my long hair was a big part of what people liked. I knew that I knew a lot of guys thought long hair was hot. Shaving my head was a way of saying to the world, fuck you. You want me to be pretty for you? Fuck you. You want me to be good for you? Fuck you. You want me to be your dream girl? Fuck you. I'd been the good girl for years. I smiled politely while TV show hosts leered at my breast, while American parents said I was destroying their children by wearing a crop top, while executives patted my hand condescendingly and second-guessed my career choices, even though I'd sold millions of records, while my family acted like I was evil and I was tired of it. At the end of the day, I didn't care. All I wanted to do was see my boys, and it made me sick thinking about the hours, the days, and the weeks that I had missed them. The most special moments in my life were taking naps with my children, the closest I've ever felt to God, taking naps with my precious babies, smelling their hair and holding their hands. I became incredibly angry. I think a lot of other women understand this. A friend of mine once said, if someone took my baby away from me, I would have done a lot more than get a haircut. I would have burned the city to the ground. So we learn a lot in this book as well about how Britney Spears was separated from her children um, and really, quite honestly, unwillingly. 
um, they ended up like looting her up with just so many drugs that at the end of the day, we wonder why she is the way she is now. It's because of these fucking drugs that scrambled her poor brain that she did not need. Like she wasn't an alcoholic. She wasn't addicted to drugs. Like the, like her people who were supposed to be in her corner ruined her life. It's fucking sad. So um, then we, we get to the point where they're talking about her conservatorship. And I thought this was very interesting. The conservator of the estate, an estate worth, in my case, tens of millions of dollars at one point, manages the conservatees' affairs to keep them from being, quote, subject to undue influence or fraud. This role was taken by my father in conjunction with a lawyer named Andrew Wallet, who would eventually be paid $426,000 a year for keeping me from my own money. I would be forced to pay upward of 50, I'm sorry, $500,000 a year to my court appointed lawyer who I wasn't allowed to replace. So again, all of this time that she is, she's paying everyone, paying everyone but herself. So her parents, her family made a killing off of her as well as just her name, her clout, her, you know what I mean? It's, it's di- literally disgusting, literally disgusting. Um, so then she talks about here being separated from her babies weeks on end. Her mom was making money off of that, off of her during that time. In those days, I wasn't the brightest bulb on the tree. It's the truth. But what plenty of people took away from my mother's book was so her mom created, made her memoir. Oh, Brittany's bad. Her book even made me believe I was bad. And she did it at a time I already felt so much shame. I swear to God, it makes me want to cry thinking about my kids going through anything hard like I was going through if they were babies. If one of my own sons was going through something like that, do you think I would write a book about it? I would fall to my knees. I would do anything I could do to hold him, to help him through it, to make him better. The last thing I would do would be to cut my hair into a bob or put on a tasteful pantsuit and sit down on the morning show set across from Meredith fucking Vieira and make money off my child's misfortune. Sometimes I talk trash on Instagram. People don't know why I have such anger towards my parents, but I think if they were in my shoes, they would understand. So what I thought was also interesting about this book and that I really enjoyed was she does talk about how she enjoys her Instagram dancing. And we always look at her and we're like, is she fucking okay? Me included, right? I'm looking at her and I'm like, what the fuck is she doing? And who's holding a gun behind the camera, right? But she talks about having such a newfound freedom now. And when she moves her body, she feels so connected. And now she doesn't have constraints. And she thinks it's funny. Like she just thinks it's funny to live life. Um, And I thought that was very interesting too. Here was another part as well. So she talks about how she used to keep all of her receipts in a bowl so that she could track up her own deductions, um, for taxes, which I thought was amazing. Like she, she cared about her money, right? Like she was being smart. I knew musicians, musicians who did heroin, got in fistfights, threw TVs out of hotel windows. Not only did I steal, not only didn't I steal anything or hurt anyone or do hard drugs, I was keeping track of my deductions. Not anymore. My father shoved aside my bowl of receipts, setting him up, setting up his things on the bar. I just want to let you know, he said, I call the shots. You sit right there in your chair and I'll tell you what goes on. I looked at him with a growing sense of horror. I am Britney Spears now, he said. That sent chills down my fucking spine. 
like when he took over, took over, moved into her house, et cetera, et cetera, which by the way, he'd been absent for years, right? He just comes over like in with like a fucking bulldozer and takes over her life, ruins it. And he says, I'm Britney Spears now. <gasps> the fucking audacity. So she then fast forwards. So we're at the point where she's doing her Las Vegas residency. She is trying to enjoy her residency. She's not allowed to party with anyone. She doesn't go out after shows. They're not allowed to hang out with her. Her background, her backup dancers and shit. They all hate being there too because the dad is running the show. She's praying. Can you guys please just like allow me to change something? Can I, can I have a new song? Can I have a new walkout song? Can I anything? And you're like, nope, nope. Nope, you can't even change your own show. That's up to us. I was given an allowance of about $2,000 a week. If I wanted a pair of sneakers that my conservators didn't think I needed, I would be told no. Mind you, this is Britney fucking Spears. This was despite the fact that I did 248 shows and sold more than 900,000 tickets in Vegas. Each show paid hundreds of thousands of dollars. One of the nights I went out with a friend and including others or including my dancers for dinner. I tried to pick up the check for a whole party. The check was $1,000 because the group was so big, but I wanted to take them out. So it was important to me that they knew that how much I appreciated how hard they work. My purchase was declined as I didn't have enough money in my allowance card to afford it. Literally fucking sickening. As performers, we girls have our hair. That's a real thing guys wanted to see. And I love, and they love to see how long hair moves. They want you to thrash it. If your hair is moving, they believe you're having a good time. It was the most demoralizing moments of my Las Vegas residency. I wore tight wigs and I danced in a way where I wouldn't move a hair on my head. Everyone was making money off of me to move my hair and I knew it. So I did everything to do anything but that. When I look back, I realized how much of myself I held on stage, how much I was trying to punish people who held me captive I punished everyone else too, including my loyal fans, including myself. But now I know why I'd been sleepwalking through so much of the past 13 years. I was traumatized. I thought that was a powerful thing as well, because I'm sure, you know, I started looking back at old performances and stuff. Number one, she always had a pretty robotic way of walking around a stage. You know, like she was very swift, very uh, calculated. So I watched like a 2000s performance where she was like, you know, healthy, not crazy, whatever you want to call it. And then I watched uh, that show that I mentioned a few or the performance a few episodes ago, her medley performance. You can look it up on YouTube. And again, this was during the heat of her conservatorship. And you could tell, I went back after watching this and looked at that performance. I was like, you could tell number one, she didn't give a fuck to be there. And number two, that she was trying to do bare minimum while making whoever happy. She was still doing the choreo. She was still moving but you could literally see how she was trying not to move a fucking part of her hair at all. Besides a few like part of the movements where she had to like whip her head around, et cetera. But when she would walk, it was like she wanted to be a robot. Probably 12 doctors a week were coming into my home and yet my father wouldn't let me go to the doctor when I asked for an appointment to get my IUD removed. So we talked about this and I only wanted to bring it up because we had we had seen that a couple of years ago in the conservatorship, she wanted to have another child and she actually ended up falling pregnant um, and then ended up having a miscarriage. But regardless, she wanted her IUD removed previously and literally her dad wouldn't even let her under her conservatorship. I read after the conservatorship, so by this time in the book, she is free. 
I read after the conservatorship that my father and Robin at Lou Taylor's company, TriStar, had been involved with the security company they hired, Black Box. In the monitoring and reviewing calls and texts coming out of my phone, going to my cell phone, including private texts with my boyfriend, my lawyer at the time, my own kids, and worse, my father even had put a bug in my own home. In my own home. This was all a part of their control. Literally so fucked. Like I like this whole book left me in shambles. Here's another part. So at this point in time, she is uh, having to go to a, a luxury rehab for like literally no reason. I'm telling you, you have to read this book. So she's getting put in this rehab center. She says, what if I don't go? My father said, if I didn't go, then I will have to go back to court and I'd be embarrassed. He said, he said, we will make you look like a fucking idiot. And trust me, you will not win. It's better me telling you than to go verse a judge in court telling you. I felt like it was a form of blackmail and I was being gaslit. I honestly felt like they were trying to kill me. I never stood up to my dad in all those years. I never said no to anyone. My no in that room that day really pissed my dad off. They forced me to go. They had a back, my back against a wall and I had no choice. If you don't do this, this is what's going to happen to you. So we suggest you get it over with. Only that didn't happen. Getting it over with, that is. Because once I got there, I couldn't leave, even though I kept begging to. They kept me locked up for my, against my will for months. Mind you, there are doctors being paid off in this situation. Fuck those doctors. I literally cannot. Like, I cannot believe that is going on. Um, she then goes on to talk about going into the conservatorship um, this is her first time she's really seeing a lot of outsiders as well. She's seeing her loyal fans wearing free Britney t-shirts. Um, and she goes on to say how much of it, it how much it meant to her to see people supported her and to see that people did see that she wasn't crazy, um, which I thought was very powerful as well. The day the conservatorship ended, I was left with so many emotions, shock, relief, elation, sadness, joy. I felt betrayed by my father and sadly by the rest of my family too. My sister and I should have found comfort in each other, but unfortunately, this hasn't been the case. As I was fighting the conservatorship, receiving a lot of press attention, she was writing a book capitalizing on it. She rushed, rushed out salacious stories about me, many of them hurtful and outrageous. I was really let down. Shouldn't sisters be able to confess their fear of vulnerability to each other without that later being used as evidence of instability? I couldn't help but feel that she wasn't aware of what I'd been through. It appeared that she thought... It had been easy for me because so much fame had come to me so young and that she blamed me for my success and everything that came with it. Jamie Lynn clearly suffered in our family house too. She grew up a child of divorce, which I did not. It seemed that my parents did, didn't do a lot of parenting and I know it was hard trying to sing and act and make her own way in the world in the shadow of a sibling who got not only most of the family's attention, but a lot of the world. My heart goes out to her for all of those reasons. So she then go on, goes on to just kind of tell how like Jamie Lynn has been through a lot, you know, but at the end of the day, she feels really let down by her sister and she didn't really speak ill will on her at all. Honestly, in this book, it was just kind of being honest of like where their relationship stands. And I thought that that was really powerful. The last few clippings I have um, of this book, I thought was just really powerful as well. She ends up, uh, talking about the Instagram thing. So I, I, want, I wanted to touch on this because we always talk about it. I had confidence and I started to like how I looked again. I love playing dress up on Instagram. I know a lot of people don't understand why I love taking pictures of myself naked or in new dresses, but I think if they'd been photographed by other thousands of times, by others thousands of times, 
prodded and posed for other people's approval, they'd understand that I get a lot of joy from posing the way I feel sexy, taking my own picture, doing whatever I want with it. I was born into this world naked, and honestly, I feel like the weight of the world has been on my shoulders. I wanted to see myself lighter and freer. As a baby, I had my whole life in front of me, and that's how I feel right now. I feel like a blank slate. I really do feel reborn. So then she just goes on again to kind of talk uh, talk about how she likes still putting on a show, but right now she doesn't know if she ever would again right now and like on tour. Okay, last part I really loved. I've been through so much since I wandered the Louisiana woods as a child. I made music, traveled all over the world, became a mother, found love and lost it again, found it again. It's been a while since I fully, fully felt present in my own life, in my own power, in my own womanhood, but I am here now. If that doesn't make you want to go buy the book, like, again, I know I just read a lot of excerpts, so I hope that that was still entertaining to you. I just, there were some really good points. I just wanted to point out because I think these were all consistent themes that we've seen in like the press and tabloids and things that she kind of like oddly cleared up. Like she really cleaned house with um, this book and it was so easy to read. It was, let's see how many pages it is. And I mean, the font is like pretty big too. So like, it's just, it felt really good. It flowed really well. 275 pages, probably like a three hour, four hour read for me. And it was really good. It made me see it in a whole lot another light. And again, I feel like I still have my, my guard up for her just because I know I, I feel like Hollywood can just be a dark place. And I just, I really hope that she's in a better place now. I hope we can see her come back out. Like I would love no more than to see like an interview, right? Like I would love to just hear from her again and hear her and and like actually ask her questions and have her present in the conversation, not her like weird Instagram stories, like no offense, but maybe we will get that one day. Um, but I think that's the only thing that makes me weary about the book is like, there was no press, there was no interviews, there was no whatever. So it's like, you know, did you really write it? Like, you know, did you really write it? Like, are you a part of this? Like, you know, but again, she did shit talk her dad and her family and stuff. And so I, I do have a pretty confident idea that, you know, they were not behind this book, which at the end of the day, that's who I would be worried about is like her family being like fucking write good about me, you know, whatever. But she was pretty honest in this. Um, and I loved it. A lot of people did wonder why she used like an old photo on the cover. And I did see some, um, Instagram posts and feedback just kind of talking about like, that was her as a woman, right? Like that was her epitome of who she was as a woman at that time and what really shaped her. So I, you know, I can see it like whatever, but, um, great book. And it worth reading. Like I'm telling you, like go out and read it. I actually have this copy, um, which again, Casey sent to me. Thank you. Brunch listener, Casey. So comment below if you want to read it. This is going to be the sisterhood of the, the traveling Desby book. And I only hope that you guys would actually keep a testimony to it of being a part of this book club. Cause I swear to fucking God, if one of you guys decide to have it and not pass it on, you're a piece of shit. So I only want it to go to someone good, but Happy Sunday. When in doubt, use code Desby at checkout. I love having you guys here. I hope this was a little fun, you know, book club. We should do this again. Let me know what book to read next and we can reconvene. Love you guys and happy Sunday. Also free Brittany, damn it. That's all for this episode of Brunch with Desby. I hope you enjoyed hanging out, laughing, or maybe even crying with me today because let's be honest, you never know what you'll get here. Be sure to subscribe to my podcast, share with your family and friends, or even just to social media and tag me in it so I can share. Love you guys.